All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. We're from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. That's DFSR.com for short. You can always go over and sign up for our premium projections over at DFSR.com slash deals. We'll go through more about what that includes later on in the show. But today, buddy, you missed it by a day, National Bosses Day. Um, didn't get anything from you. Wondering sort of what happened there. Um, was it just an oversight on your part or was it like something coming on the podcast? Like you just knew it was a day You're late, confused because but... I didn't give you any... Didn't give you any instructions while it was National Bosses Day? No, like I didn't receive anything from you. I didn't receive anything from you. Like, like any instructions or tasks that you had to accomplish? <laughs> like some kind like of like say, thank you letter. You, you were the one working all night last night while I was sleeping. So that sure sounds like... That's a time zone thing. Boss. And Chris Darrell, Chris Darrell, our boy, was smart enough to send me something. Said, um, you know, it was a tweet. He did not. So. Did he really? 100% he did. I'll, I'll put He's it in the fired. show notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fire him. <laughs> well, you don't have, well, well, good news for him. You don't have that authority because you're not the boss. That is not uh, true, actually. <laughs> go ask Chris who, who pays him each week and if you even know how. So that's... <laughs> Inconsequential. Yeah, uh, exactly. Chris, don't worry about it. You, your job is safe. As long as... <laughs> actually, this is the good, good chance. That, this is where we consolidate power, power, my friends. And it doesn't really matter. because I'm, I'm sending Chris a message right now. So you wished Doug happy... <laughs> Bosses day. It was on Twitter. I know we're not on Twitter, but um, so maybe that was part of the problem. Anyway, we're gonna roll through. Chris, your job is safe. We're gonna I roll through. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go game by game through Week Seven's main slate. It's kind of an interesting slate. Um, we are to the point of the season where there are a lot of have-nots in terms of fantasy production from a cash game perspective, for sure. So we'll kind of we'll have to signal towards some of those teams. There are four teams on the bye. No game in London or anywhere in England this week, so luckily there's um, we there's no n- nothing early Sunday. Uh, but still, d- not all that robust of a main slate of games. I don't think from a fantasy perspective. We did talk cash games yesterday on the podcast, so if you want to get those specific picks, and when we say cash games, I'm referring to like 50-50 contests for FanDuel and DraftKings. Head on over there. Uh, we'll nod to some of those guys as always, but probably won't get as in-depth uh, as we did in that one where we just really did kind of roll in-depth on about nine or ten guys that we're going to be building cash games around. Um, the first couple of games in the slate, though, are, are actually pretty interesting just from an injury perspective, so I'm going to get your opinion, buddy, on... Um, you know, where we think we're going to go here. The first one's Oakland at Green Bay. Green Bay started six and a half point favorites down to five and a half right now. Over under doesn't move. It's still at 46 and a half. So the points kind of came up on the Green Bay. Or excuse me, kind of came down on the Green Bay side up on Oakland. But man, right now, Green Bay, what a mess from a fantasy perspective. I, I kind of don't even know where to start. The running back situation is like a weird timeshare that looks like it could yeah. shift back to Jamal Williams. And besides that, every single receiver is hurt right now. Adams, questionable, <laughs> didn't play last week. Allison, questionable, uh, got hurt last week. And Scalding, uh, excuse me, Marcus Valdez-Scantling uh, is questionable also. Like, I, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss here. Do we have to take a wait and see? There's a chance all three don't play. It's still Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. Like, what do we do here? Do we need to – like, will we end up paying one of these guys in cash if he's the last man standing? How do you think we attack the situation? Yeah, it's a crazy situation. I mean, so first, for starters, you don't touch the running backs. Um, it's just a it's a hot hand sort of situation is the way I'm reading it. And situations like that, you don't want any piece of. I mean, even for big tournaments, frankly, you know, my general rule is anyone in a big tournament. I think in this sort of situation, when both guys are going to get 10 to 15 touches, and maybe one guy has the upside for 17 touches, I just don't see the upside on the prices that you're looking at right now. And yeah, even the passing game is pretty unexciting, which we really haven't seen in Green Bay in quite some time. Uh, The most targeted guys last week 
were uh, Aaron Jones out of the backfield in a timeshare, uh, Geronimo Allison, who turned his seven targets into three catches, and the biggest receiving day was someone called Alan Lazard, who had four catches for 65 yards and a touch. But yeah, you're not going to touch anyone on this team. Uh, any of those names that are down there right now could crop up as the top receivers on the team next week. So yeah, I, unfortunately, it's kind of wild because for a team that's 5-1 and one, that has a Hall of Fame quarterback, it's wild to think that there's basically no one playable here uh, for us for DFS. I think, you know, like I said, I think when we look at this receiver situation, we could be, we, we could say, you know, if everyone's out and they're just left with like Jake Kumaro and Hal Lazard and guys like this, I, I suppose, you know, these guys are like coming like basically at the minimum. So maybe we're looking at a situation where there's just going to be guys left. Like Kumaro's 3,600 on, on DraftKings, let's say. He played a lot of snaps last week, didn't really get any targets. Um, Lazard, I'm, just blanking on his, I don't have his, I don't have his price right in front of me right now, and it's not coming up when I search it. So I'll check on that one. I'm, he can't be anything more than the minimum. So I think when we're looking at the situation, if we get a, if we get it where they're all out, then I guess maybe we just go. We can think about punting them just because they still have a nice implied total here. Vegas clearly understands that the receivers um, are all banged up. Receivers don't really shift odds in any meaningful way. So. I don't know. This was wait and see a little bit for me. I think it's going to depend on who is, again, last man standing. I'm totally with I just you want to know that. where you're going to put the targets. So say, like, we get the news that Geronimo Allison's seven targets are going to be redistributed. Do you care? I mean, last week, nine guys were targeted in the passing game. So redistributing those seven. And it was a very flat target share. Redistributing those seven targets or whatever just doesn't do anything for me. I don't. We already are down to the last men standing, and it hasn't mattered. So I don't know why. I don't know why I would. I certainly wouldn't want to be guessing this for cash games. Um, yeah, uh, I'm probably there with you, and um, I guess I'm holding out just like a little reservation to say like we have seen out of nowhere receivers in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers at times get targets. Like, and, and, and by the way, the matchup is very good here. This they have a high total. Uh, the, the Oakland is not a good defense, and so. I guess I'm just not I'm not dismissing it out hand, out of hand right now, and I'm just saying I'm just gonna wait till we just get word on what the actual final receiver situation is, because in the end, if all these guys are out, Adams, Sc- I mean Scalding and uh, or um, MV, I'm just gonna say MBS because I keep screwing this name up for some reason, and uh, and Allison, then there are probably enough if the, 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 there's enough of target redistribution. I think considering that these guys are all coming at the minimums, on the Oakland side. <laughs> Even when they're kind of the, the the wide receiver core and the tight end core outside of Darren Waller has been kind of a mess all season. They're big underdogs here. Is there anything to even trust on their passing game? I feel like there just hasn't been, except for Waller, who they just signed to a big uh, extension. And that like it really matters for DFS. Any thoughts here on the Oakland side? Yeah, I would say it only matters in that it confirms what we're seeing that this early season run wasn't a fluke. You know, it wasn't just hey, this is what happened to be open, and we took advantage of it. I mean, Carr is well known for not being able to throw the ball very far downfield, whether it's his own ability or his offensive line. So I think Waller does continue to be a pretty safe option there going forward. Uh, I think you could rightfully talk yourself into Josh Jacobs for big tournaments uh, because we've seen that he is very game script dependent. Uh, when things are going well, you can see games like the Chicago or Denver games where he rips off 25 plus fantasy points. When it's going poorly, you can see the four fantasy point weeks, right? So you don't touch him for uh, regular cash games, but for big tournaments, getting him at 6700 when he's got $8,000 player upside is the type of play you can make and that you'll have separation on. So I wouldn't just ignore him for that. But yeah, for cash games, I, I don't see anything here. 
All right, the next game's got a lot of fantasy implications as well with maybe just as many question marks. L.A. Rams go in and play the Falcons. This game has the highest over-under of the day, or, or total of the day, at 54-and-a-half. Um, all kinds of injury stuff here as well. We'll start with, well, specifically on the Rams side, Gurley doesn't play last week. Malcolm Brown comes in as a cheap play, uh, somewhat chalky, uh, rightfully so, sort of entering this, looking like he's going to get every down sort of back duty at, with Gurley out. He underperforms against what is, we already knew it has been confirmed, a very, very good 49ers defense. That's not going to be the case this week, but the thing is Malcolm Brown's also questionable here as well. So Gurley and Brown are both questionable. Um, but you have an Atlanta team that's just let up huge fantasy days. Like Kyler Murray just threw four touchdowns against them last week. Um, yeah. Deshaun Watson just, or excuse me, Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller just obliterated them the week before. The defense is absolutely horrendous. Are we taking a wait and see approach on here? Like, do you think when it's all said and done, short of every guy being healthy, we could end up seeing some Rams fall into cash games, especially considering some of the injury situations here? I mean, their total is creeping up to 29 right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and Rams are a team, unlike Green Bay, that I could see having a big market share of. Um, I think Daryl Henderson Jr., actually, you know, there was buzz about him being the heir apparent to Gurley this season going into things uh, before Malcolm Brown kind of usurped those duties early on. Uh, if both Brown and Gurley are out, I think Henderson's a great play. You know, famous last words, I get it. <laughs> but, but at only 5,200, I can absolutely see him being, you know, the highest owned running back, even if both of those other two guys were missing. Uh, because I think that the Rams, like many teams, are going to tailor their plan to the game script. And I think they should be able to get up against this Atlanta team. And I think they should be able to be on top of them by just putting up big amounts of points, you know, not by grinding them down defensively. So, you know, whether it's Henderson or Cooper Cup, uh, going back to the well on that, I could definitely see having some Rams exposure in cash this week. Yeah, you know, it's really funny. I'm at the verge. If Gurley was out, I would be tempted on DraftKings to play Daryl Henderson in cash at 3,500, even if Malcolm Brown was around. Like, I don't know, man. Like, so last week he, last week he played about Brown. I know they were losing. Brown played 36 snaps, was pretty ineffective. 11 rushes, 40 yards, no targets. Henderson played 17 snaps, touched the ball half the times in those snaps. Six carries, very effective six carries. I, I get that, like, you know, this was catch-up stuff. Six carries for 39 yards, plus two targets and caught a ball for nine yards there's some chance that if Gurley doesn't play that we just, maybe they just make the switch, right? Like, and possibly don't even totally announce it or whatever. Or like, even it's honestly, even if it was a timeshare, like a 50, 50 split in this offense, like knowing what we've seen some of these running backs do in the past, especially if he's just like the more dynamic runner, I get the guy barely played any snaps until last week, which was like weird. And people weren't totally understanding what was going on. I don't know. Am I crazy here? Like, this if Gurley's out, would that be too crazy? I, specifically, DraftKings at thirty five hundred. I the the Fanduel price. I don't think I mess around with. I think we can easily fit in the three running backs we talked about yesterday that are measure, immeasurably safer. But DraftKings is a different story where this flex position gets a little tougher with some of this this pricing. Would I be nuts thinking about that uh, going into this game? On the surface, yes, I would say you would be nuts to grab Daryl Henderson on the worst part of a timeshare in this game. Yes, I, I think that would be crazy. But I will say that there there are things I could hear that that aren't Malcolm Brown is act absolutely inactive that might tip the scales for me. Like you know, if they say, yeah, if Brown is still a wait and see right up until kickoff time, like that would be an indication that Henderson was probably going to get more lion's share of the carries. I just don't want to make this call now because if all we knew is what we know right now, then I think that would be you know irresponsibly reckless. I, I just don't see any reason to 
like I get that that position looks tough a lot of times and you really can't deal with like a $3,500, even a $3,500 player, you really can't deal with a $3,500 player who oopsie daisies gets one rushing attempt like he did in the only other game where he registered any fantasy points all season. <laughs> so yeah, I um, totally hear you. You're usually good at talking me down off the ledge on this. I do. I do feel like, like what you said, if there's any question about it, there's some chance, like I said, that we are possibly just grabbing a guy early. Like, I think that's, I, that's mostly what I'm saying. But well, again, you're, you're smart by giving the, the strong caveat here to say, we're going to take a wait and see approach. The other guy here though is golf. Other opposing quarterbacks have completely crushed the, uh, the Falcons this season. They um, are averaging 20 opposing quarterbacks on DraftKings are averaging 26.25 DraftKings points per week. That's the second worst to only Arizona this season. Right now, Goff is actually showing up for us in cash games, or excuse me, in top lineups on DraftKings at 6,200. We talk, We did not talk about him in the cash game podcast. We talked about Kyler Murray. We talked about uh, Matt Ryan. And we talked, no, no, not Matt Ryan. With Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and, oh, shoot, I forget the third guy we talked about. Holy cow. Who was, oh, Josh Allen. Um, we talked about those three guys yesterday. But with Goff kind of showing up here, he's a little bit cheaper than those other guys. And again, Atlanta really lets it up to opposing quarterbacks. And the running back situation is kind of in question here for the Rams. Is it crazy to think about golf here for cash games? Yeah, I mean, he scored 112 fantasy points against here. Oh, wait. A 1.12 fantasy points is what he <laughs> scored against the 49ers last week. Uh, that's not very good. But actually, I think it's kind of the classic situation where uh, you can take a quarterback coming off a really terrible week. I mean, we saw big-time production out of golf in the prior two weeks in better matchups. And the type of production that honestly could have led to more fantasy production had things kind of broken his way. Uh, the accuracy on golf is kind of a concern this season. You know, you hate to see the seven interceptions through six games. Like, that's not going to win any hearts and minds. And the one game where he didn't have any interceptions was this game where he, they got truly dumpstered against San Francisco. So, you know, it's it's not looking amazing for Goff and his big contract. But for DFS purposes, is this akin to, you know, when we've recommended playing Jameis Winston in a great matchup? Yeah, I, I think it's about on that level. And you can get some slight savings on Goff going down from the big guys, uh, you know, given the huge implied total for the Rams here and the questionable running situation, it seems to me that Vegas sure thinks Goff is going to do something. So I think if you add all that together, I do think you get a reasonable cash game option here. Yeah, look, he's been, the season-long stats so far for Goff have not been good. Seven seven touchdowns to seven interceptions. So uh, he doesn't run the ball much at all, really doesn't run at all. Uh, we don't like that for cash games, but sometimes you get this perfect opportunity with the opponent, and I do think we're finding that with Atlanta. Uh, so lots, a lot of intrigue here. I do think we're going to have to wait and see on some of this injury situation. This will be one of the key situations we're watching for as we lead up to Sunday. Uh, and you can jump into our chat uh, leading for the two hours leading up to game time where we're, James and I are just in there grinding on projections, and this is for the premium product, obviously, grinding on projections, answering questions, making sure everything's tuned in, and uh, making sure everything's updated for that injury stuff. On the Falcon side, I don't know what you think if you're uh, Matty Ryan, Matty Ice here, but last week, <laughs> I can't read this, last week, Ryan threw, completed 83% of his passes for 364, five, 356 yards, Four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and they lost. Like, uh, what can the guy do? Like, I don't, the guy was nearly perfect as a quarterback, and they lost the game. Really makes speech more to the defense. It's got to be more clutch, else, but... dude. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> but Ryan, again, uh, like in terms of just fantasy production overall, I mean, he continues to have to just throw a ton because the defense is so yeah. freaking bad that they just he he has the most quarterback attempts this season, two hundred fifty eight. He has the second most passing yards to only Mahomes. This is very, you know lining up to be exactly what happened last season with him, uh, which is to say he scored a ton of fantasy points and the team still kind of stunk. 
We're just getting more of the same. I don't know what to say. He's throwing the most touchdowns in the league, too. He's got 15 touchdowns. The team's terrible. He's got seven interceptions. So you don't like to see that, though. I t- tend to think those are pretty lumpy um, and not really sustainable that we've seen sort of just in the past with quarterbacks. Like, where does Ryan rank for you right now? The guy just has to throw a ton every game because the defense just lets it up. Yeah, I mean, definitely a guy I'm looking at for my big tournaments. And honestly, we haven't talked about his name. I mean, so here's the thing for cash games. We very rarely wind up talking about quarterbacks in our internal discussions who never run the ball, just because it's so much easier to maintain a high floor when you just get four to six fantasy points built in for free to start the week. And this is why it's very difficult for Lamar Jackson to have a one-point week, but not that difficult for Jared Goff to have a one-point week. You know what I mean? Like, if things Mm -hmm. break down, having the backup plan to be a ball carrier and I mean heaven forbid you should be the best ball carrier on your team like some of these other guys uh you know that winds up pushing the needle for us in cash games that being said Ryan has been about as consistent as possible with being a pass only quarterback this season so if there were a time to make an exception I I suppose he would be it yeah it kind of is weird like if you just played him every week in cash at his at his price points because he really hasn't been all that expensive we ran him out there one week so far you're doing pretty well. The guy, again, he's just forced into these game scripts each time. This one sure looks like it's going to be a shootout. He's much better in the Dome. Obviously, most quarterbacks are. I think there's a strong case for it. Love him for big tournaments. Uh, in terms of some of these other pieces that they have, they've really spread the ball out. We did talk about Austin Hooper at length yesterday, so I don't need to rehash uh, the whole case behind him being played as a cash game play. We still can see continued you know, people want to play Julio Jones like in cash or just like, you know, he continues to be projected as high ownership at times in cash. The guy is just, he's not even in the top 10 in targets this year. Do you think that we're seeing a decline in Jones? Do you think we're just seeing a rise in some of, the, some of these other pieces? Is it like somewhere in between? Are we waiting for a breakout week here? The Rams did trade for Jalen Ramsey, um, who miraculously is healthy again after sitting out multiple weeks with the Jags uh, with injury, wanted to be traded. It looks like he's healthy enough to now play that he's going to Los Angeles. He probably is going to enter the mix here. Thoughts on Jones and the rest of this passing uh, game against the Rams that has been kind of beat up, but maybe shores things up here with Ramsey. Yeah, I'm not going to be playing Julio Jones. I don't I don't see the upside. You know, it's the combination of you're asking for a guy to do something that he hasn't done really all season. I mean, he has two good games earlier this season, but double-digit targets in just two of the six games so far when we can get guys, you know, like Cup for cheaper in better matchups who just have done it this year. I get that you're getting a lot of explosiveness and a lot of big-name value out of Julio Jones in a pretty reasonable matchup with the Rams on paper, but Jalen Ramsey coming back, yeah, not unmysteriously I'll, I'll say being healthy he's obviously just been healthy the whole time and <laughs> you know the fact that he's not even I think listed on the injury report right now shows you that he'll be out there ready to prove that this trade was worth it because I feel like nothing motivates these corner guys more than everyone out there being like ah oh, this trade what a waste you know stupid trade you gave up way too much and that sort of line so yeah I'd, I wouldn't touch Julio Jones with a 10-foot pole but yeah, uh, I think I yeah I I'm I'm with you totally there. The other thing too, like the difference between Jones and say a guy like Hopkins, who we've touted for a few weeks um, as like being a breakout candidate, is that while there was some there were some script issues and some matchup issues that we've seen with Hopkins at times over the course of the year, that really hasn't been the case for Jones. They just really just said we can throw to other guys in this offense. We can throw to Hooper. We can throw to Sanu. We can throw to Ridley, and we just don't need to force feed you the ball the way these other teams want to like or in the past have with Hopkins and sort of went back to the other way. So I don't see those guys as comps as like the decline or the, you know, one guy I can easily see the targets coming back for. With Jones, I just don't, I don't know if it's going to come back. They've thrown as much as, as any team in the league, and he's just this far down on the target list. Like, what else have, needs to have happened for him to be force-fed the ball? It just really doesn't seem like it's going to happen. A uh, quick break to talk about our friends over at mybookie.ag. 
if you like some of these lines in the games you're seeing this week, over-unders, the spreads, the money lines, whatever you see. We threw out Seattle uh, as a really nice bet. We thought yesterday at minus 3.5 against Baltimore at home this week. Um, MyBookie.ag has got you covered. Use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. You get a matching deposit bonus up to $100, first-time depositors only. MyBookie.ag, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, OVERTIME is the promo code that you got to use. Love these guys. They'll have player props up there uh, coming into Sunday as well. That market is uh, usually pretty loose and fast. Um, Player props is a way to sort of kind of grind out against the DFS edge. So mybookie.ag, go check them out. Yeah, it also synergizes super well with our system. Like you see a guy that player props don't seem to like that's really high in our system, you can hop on that. Um, Speaking of my bookie buddy, we were just talking about the Rams-Falcons. Give me the Rams, minus three and a half. I, I think... taking them go out or I'm sorry it's down to minus three now giving them just three points going on the road against this bad Atlanta team I'm I'm all over that so that's that's my kind of bet that I'm targeting right now yeah I like it and like as we've seen many many times with or just all times with these uh with with lines running backs just don't factor into this at all so you can you can safely grab a a number like this and not really worry about the running back situation the running game certainly not the uh, difference between Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson I mean yeah Saquon Barkley being out or or playing doesn't move the line at all for the Giants none of these guys are going to do it those guys are going to do it that's that's really the, the entire story if you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets there's only one place to go and that's vivid seats it's super easy you go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats. Use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets. Go to the game. You won't regret it. All right. Uh, Vikings go in and play the Lions. So, so we saw a couple weeks with the Vi- couple weeks ago with the Vikings that Stefan Diggs is unhappy. Maybe rumors he wants to be traded. Uh, Thielen's a little upset that they haven't gotten the passing game going. They've been too it's just too into the run. They have really reversed course over the last couple weeks. Uh, between these two guys, they've combined for 31 targets, 23 catches, 400 yards, and six touchdowns. That's Diggs and Thielen over the last two weeks. Um, really kind of after they made the shift to kind of keep the wide receivers happy. When we see this kind of happen, this kind of thing happen from the beginning of the year, do we want to make changes to their projections just in terms of usage going forward? If we see like there's just been kind of a shift in how they approached even the beginning of games. They're throwing more to start the games. They're wide, they, and they won both these games. They, they won both these games easily and sort of threw the most during these games too. When you see this one-to-one thing, do we kind of want to wipe off the target shares and stuff from early in the season and just look at a more recent sample, even though these guys have played healthy the entire year. Yeah, it's pretty close. I, I, so we've talked about this before, but in football, I think it lends itself to looking at sample sizes in a very different way than other sports. Not only do we have a whole week to look at things, but the teams do too. And if they can see that, hey, it turns out throwing this digs guy, that's working out pretty well. So I, we certainly wouldn't want to take an average over the course of the season and just assume that that's how it would play out for the rest of the year. But we do know that at their core, Minnesota doesn't really want to throw, seem to throw the ball that often to these guys. And sure, like, you know, some complaining in the media might get the spike in targets from week to week, but I have a hard time believing that the full plan has now completely changed, you know, based on what they went into the season with. And especially given that they still have a healthy Dalvin Cook in the backfield, uh, who's still been, you know, plenty productive when given the ball this year. Man, it's pretty close. I think Diggs, you know, he is getting a decent amount of buzz over on Fanshare right now. He's very cheap. And if you think, I mean, he certainly, you know, if he's capable of 11 targets, 
and 40 fantasy points. Like you're going to see a lot of people sticking their necks out on that for big tournament purposes. But I don't know, man. Are you are, are, are you hoping to roll with this in cash? Like knowing that the, the week prior against the bad Giants team, he had four targets and five, six fantasy points. Like I just don't, man, I, I don't, I don't think I would feel comfortable with it. No, I don't necessarily feel comfortable with it. I, and, I, and I have increased. So, okay, so the, the answer is yes and no and somewhere in between. We have increased their target share ba- up above their median and mean target projections for the se- for, so that we've been targeting for this season. Um, I think that is a pretty safe move at this point, knowing that there has been a more concerted effort to get these guys the ball over the last two weeks. They've had nice matchups with, with which to do it. This one is not a perfect matchup against um, against Detroit where they're going to see shadow coverage sort of across the board. That's, uh, that's kind of how the lines roll. So I don't know, just from that standpoint, I don't think you need to do it. I was more just questioning, it was more just like a top-down question about projections, more than just like this week, right? Like, because I think what we're going to do is we're going to run into this maybe in a, in a better matchup down the line, and I'm just kind of giving more of a process idea more than anything else. So no to this week, and I think we agree that maybe making some subtle changes different than we would do for some other teams that have just been basically kind of staying the course over the course of a season. I, I do want to kind of check in when it looks like teams have had maybe even not so sh- subtle shifts in just how they're approaching, especially early in games where they've just been coming out and saying, we're just going to throw on you early, then we'll kind of run downhill later in the game. So that, that was really all. Um, we, t- we mentioned Cook. Are you worried about Cook's uh, target share and just usage overall that we've seen Madison kind of cut into that over the last couple of weeks, even in just good game scripts? You know, or do you think that the game is just in hand and they didn't need to do it with Cook? Where do you want to land here? Because this is given a guy we've wanted to play pretty consistently on the target sh- and usage, but um, that really hasn't been the case and, I, and Madison looks good, too, and I always get a little worried about situations like that. Yeah, I think you have good reason to be worried this week. I think playing Cook would be probably unduly risky, given that last week, sure, you know, they wind up winning by 18, but it's not like the game was necessarily so out of hand that you would expect to see Cook, who had been, you know, one of these guys touching the ball 20-plus times a game with great regularity, come out. So, yeah, I, I'm very troubled now. Madison double-digit touches in two of his last four games, uh, even the seven against the Giants, like, that starts to really add up. You know, one of the things we talk about uh, in terms of the NBA and the NFL as well is that sometimes people look at things like this and they're like, ah, oh, what's seven carries? You know, well, seven carries is a ton. I mean, if a guy's going to average 20 carries a game, right. that would be a third of his carries. And so I think Madison lurking is actually a, a huge influence on whether I want to play Cook or not right now. And I think given that the price hasn't moved at all and it's, you know, not an ideal matchup with Detroit, I don't think I'm, I'm going to go near it for cash games this week. Uh, on the Detroit side, they're kind of just a two-man fantasy team at this point um, in, in terms of the skill positions. Uh, not, I'm not including Stafford. And that's really just Kerryon Johnson mm-hmm. and Kenny Galladay. Uh, they, not to say that, like, that means you need to jam these guys into lineups, but Galladay is easily the target leader over there. He's got 26% target share this season. Kerryon Johnson is easily the, the rushing attempt uh, guy. So um, I just don't know. They're, but because, I guess the reason I'm saying is because they're both sort of priced accordingly now, right? Like you're not getting away with anything on their uh, on sort of where they stand in terms of like their current usage. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stumbling here more to just say I'm not really interested in playing them or maybe you're just seeing something I'm not. You can make a big tournament case for Johnson. I mean, you know, anyone who can get 29 touches in a game like he did against Kansas City has got to be in the back of your mind somewhere. Um, but yes, for cash games, you're not going to play either. All right, moving right along, we have Jacksonville goes in and plays the Bengals. Jacksonville started as three-and-a-half-point road favorites, up to minus four on the road, though the points uh, came down a little bit on both sides. It's 40, started at 44-and-a-half, came down a full point to 43-and-a-half. 
Bengals have been kind of a wreck this year, which is putting it lately. Uh, Jacksonville, we did talk about Leonard Fournette uh, at length yesterday as a cash game play. Don't need to go back in to the case there. He'll be almost definitely in 100% of our cash game lineups this week. Um, I can say that pretty unequivocally. Uh, anything else to like here? I guess I, we, I nodded a little bit to DJ, or excuse me, DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook as well. So if you look at, we kind of covered Jacksonville yesterday. And then really on the Cincinnati side, we talked a lot about Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate as well. I, I don't know if we need to really walk down this path again. Is there anything new to add that we didn't mention yesterday? If you're interested in all those thoughts, we spent we spent a decent amount of time actually on this game in the cash We game did, podcast. yeah. And it's not the type of game that necessarily, like when you see it on paper, you're like, oh, it's Bengals, Jags. This is like, you know, Saints, Bucks or something like that. No, it's not exactly that. But what you're getting is, you know, several players that are probably just a little bit too cheap for what they bring to the table. You know, like the Boyd price, I think we talked about as being especially egregious. So I still maintain all the stuff we talked about yesterday. I don't really have anything especially new to add. I will say that, you know, I don't think I would want to stack, like say Dalton and Boyd. I don't think that's the winning strategy this week. I think if you're playing Boyd, it's just because, you know, sometimes the price gets too cheap, even in a tough matchup. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's about it. San Francisco, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. So I'm not like yeah, trying to like maybe. skip over that game. I just, I, like you said, we spent a, a, a lot of time on sort of a weird game yesterday. Um, I mm-hmm. think all of our thoughts are pretty encapsulated in that podcast. San Francisco goes in and plays Washington. San Francisco has been amazing this year. No other way to put it. Um, they're the best, second best team in terms of DVOA uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they might be number one on offense. I got to check this again. I clicked off this link. I'll check it while we're while we're talking. But they're ten point favorites on the road against Washington who has gone back and forth with the quarterback and they fired the coach and it's been just an epic mess in Washington. And that being said, even with a big total and 10 point favorite, we used to, we love grabbing running backs in situations like this. And it seems like anyone can be a running back on San Francisco and they kind of, they, they kind of play the game accordingly, which is to say anyone can just kind of be a running back. Is that where we stand with our running game here? It feels like we can't trust anything from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. I, I think that's basically where we do stand. I mean, this is a game where, San Francisco as 10-point favorites, like you would assume that the carries will be flowing here. Uh, but I think they take, you know, a potentially pretty wise approach and they say, hey, even if it's we're cruising with Matt Burita, it's not like, you know, as we go down to Rashim, it's going to kill us or anything. So I think, uh, yeah, I think don't think you can just charge in and play any of these guys in cash. If there is an exception, and especially for big tournaments, I do think Burita has shown absolutely unbelievable upside. But it kind of comes in a way that I don't like it for cash, which is that, you know, like where we talked about Fournette being an upside play earlier this season on the back of his high 20s, low 30s touches, Breida gets it because he can break off explosive plays. And that's all well and good. And you like to see that, you know, who wouldn't want a running back who could break off explosive plays. But if it's going to come with 15 touches in a week or something, yeah, that's just not where you're going to wind up for cash games. So unfortunately, I don't think like San Francisco, you know, like you said, pretty good offense. They don't have anyone in the passing game that you can play. And this intense running back by committee uh, makes it pretty tough there as well. Uh, one quick note on Washington before we move forward. Uh, I saw Terry McLaurin was getting a lot of buzz over on Fanshare this week. And uh, I, I don't totally get it. I get that he scored two touchdowns, but I just don't see... Oh, he has, he's actually moved down too. Okay. I, I just don't see the case for that. I think, you know, just because a guy goes out there... Like the fact that he turned four receptions into 100 yards and two touchdowns, that is certainly going to be the exception rather than the rule. And for a guy that hasn't touched over or hasn't had a 10-target game yet so far this season, I don't see why I would want to play him in you know maybe his toughest matchup of the season against San Francisco. So uh, not seeing anything on the Washington side either. 
Yeah, people like to just love, I mean, analytics guys for DFS and, and just stats in general like to hang their hat on average intended air yards. Um, that just means the amount of yards the ball is traveling downfield intending to get to a wide receiver as a way to sort of point to upside because that just means the further the ball gets on the field, typically the more yards you're piling up and then the closer to the end zone you're getting rather than having to do all your work after the catch. McLaurin is just a guy that has ranked really highly in this stat over the course of the season. And he's, aver- he's I think the number, t- I'm looking at the number now, uh, this is on nextgennfl.com. Next NextGenStats.NFL.com. Uh, he's third highest of the team's inter- 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 intended air yards, which is all to say they're just throwing the ball to him a lot downfield, which means he has a lot of upside. Actually, interestingly enough, the, t- the guy who's the most average intended air yards for the season, Stefan Diggs. Um, so just the most, he has 50% of the team's average intended air yards, which means they're just bombing the ball to him when, when he's being targeted. Uh, I think that's where people love McLaurin and I don't mind it. Um, I just, I don't, it's, it'd be crazy to kind of run him up against this defense uh, just because I think they're going to get dumpster. I did misspeak um, a second ago when I was talking about how high San Francisco was in terms of offense and DVOA last week, they were fourth. Uh, and then they beat the Rams, and they dropped to 12th. So, I don't know, Devia, whatever. Our good friends over at Football Outsiders, I'm not exactly sure why they would take that big of a, a dive down in terms of offense. Um, they drop eight spots, but either way, defense still great. I still think the offense is Well, it's just because uh, it's, it's, it's a tight clustering of groups, I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, you can have a tough week, and other teams can have a good week, and, you know, stuff happens. You, you've seen this, right? Like, in our projections, a lot of times people will say, why do we hate Tom Brady? You know, and it's like, well, Brady's going to score – Point four fewer points than the top guy. It's just that sometimes things are close and somebody has to be below, right? So, all right, Texans go in and face the Colts. Colts. Uh, this game started as a pick'em, is now to Colts minus one, which, uh, like we said before, is usually is akin to the Texans maybe being the better team in terms of Vegas odds, uh, with the Colts getting a slight home field advantage bump. Over under is forty seven. Colts coming off the bye week. Texans coming off some nice, some pretty impressive wins. Deshaun Watson looking at everything like basically an MVP candidate at this point uh, with the way he's played, especially going uh, and beating the Chiefs as well. Although maybe that's starting to look less impressive as the Chiefs as the Chiefs look less impressive on a week to week basis. But Watson's been great. Uh, the offense has been sort of starting to click. Not a great total for this game. What are your thoughts here with Colts having two weeks to prepare, especially? Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. I think. I'm actually super high on Watson and pairing him with some receiver in big tournaments this week. I think, you know, he, he showed exactly why you get more upside and floor as a running quarterback last week where he throws for 280 yards with two picks. And you're like, oh, man, what a nightmare. Uh, what? He scored 31 fantasy points. <laughs> yeah, he had 10 carries for 42 yards and two touchdowns. So he was a good running back, you know, scored 16 points on the ground and then was only an OK quarterback. But that is what brings you home. In the last two weeks, he scored 72 fantasy points. Sorry, 73 fantasy points on FanDuel. And so, sure, the Colts can be a less than ideal matchup, but I don't think that means you're just going to ignore the fact that this guy can score in a million different ways. So, yeah, again, for cash, I think you can probably do better by looking elsewhere. But if you think there's going to be low ownership on Watson this week, which I think you can make a, a fair case for, he's right now the... He's got... His buzz is declining on Fanshare. He's uh, tied for the top 33 in buzz right now. And uh, Hopkins is sort of in that range too. But And, you know, there's tons of quarterbacks above him. If you think he's going to have relatively own, low ownership, yeah, right now he's listed as below Brissett, below uh, Russell Wilson, Ryan, Murray, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Josh Allen, you know. So if he's going to really have lower ownership than all those guys, which I think is a fairly safe bet, Anytime you can get a guy with 40 fantasy point upside on relatively low ownership, you have to consider it. So 
yeah, again, not for cash, but for big tournaments, I'm very much in here. And last week, the target share did go back Hopkins' way. Hopkins had saw 12 targets, was converted him for 9 for 55. Will Fuller coming off a huge week, got 9 targets, only went 5 for 44. Fuller was basically two, uh, brick hands and a fingertip away from having a massive day. He flat, flat out dropped three touchdowns. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Like uh, one, was a, one was an incredibly easy catch that went right through his hands as he was wa- basically waltzing into the end zone. That would have been a 50-yard touchdown pass um, that he just dropped, and he dropped two other ones that would have been slightly more difficult to, to, to corral, though he really should have. So uh, you can't really give him all three because, you know, one one affects all the rest of the game playing, moving for the rest of the game. Uh, but he was very close to just having one of the top receiving games weeks of the day, uh, excuse me, top receiving games of the week and just missed. Um, for that reason, Watson still targeted him a lot. I, I, I don't mind him for a bounce back here. If you're going to, if you're going to target him with, pair him with Watson, do it with Hopkins a little bit. Do Fuller again, too. They're still throwing to him in the end zone. I know that he didn't get it done last week, but um, <laughs> they, they, it's not for lack of trying. So uh, I don't mind that at all. What about the Colts side here? Mack saw a million touches uh, the week before they went on the bye. Uh, at times, they just don't throw the ball to anybody in particular. Uh, Hilton, I think, is supposed to be back this game. Any thoughts here on the Colts side? Yeah, I think you see the huge carries for Mack, and it's easy to get excited. But just keep in mind that he has been one of the more game script dependent running backs over the course of the season. And even as the Colts are minus one point favorites here, we just know that sometimes it doesn't work out that way, right? They were favored against Oakland and Mack went in there and touched the ball 11 total times. So he, uh, if, if quarterbacks get their floor from having a good running game, running backs oddly get their floor from having being good in the passing game <laughs> where uh, these running backs that can catch a lot of balls out of the backfield, they can stay on the field more when the going gets tough. And for guys like Mack, you can see that the two tough games this season, you know, Oakland and the Chargers, uh, well, the Chargers game wasn't that tough, but you can see two t- two games where he has zero targets, and that's just not where I want to be uh, for my cash game running backs, especially on DraftKings. Uh, moving into the Giants, are going to host the Cardinals. Uh, this game has a start at 48.5, is now up to 50.5 in terms of a team, team total over-under. Giants are three-point home favorites. We talked uh, at length about some of these guys yesterday. Specifically, it looks like Saquon Barkley is going to come back at, at full strength this week. Uh, really crushed his timeline in terms of returning. He was supposed to be out for like, uh, I don't know, something like five to seven weeks or six to eight weeks and returned in three or four weeks or something like that. Uh, so he's way ahead of schedule for the injury. The, the fact that there was even speculation he was going to play last week just is it's nuts here with Barkley. But uh, looks like we're going to probably be rolling him out there in cash games or close to it. Uh, I don't totally mind that. We talked about that yesterday. We talked about Kyler Murray as well. And then we're just going to keep an eye. We'll talk about keeping our eye on the Cardinals wide receiver situation with Christian Kirk. Uh, and if he was out, Larry Fitzgerald. Anything else to add to that? I think we talked about Evan Ingram, too. I feel like we, this is a game, another game we spent a lot of time on the Cash Game Podcast. Anything else to add here from a game that I think will garner a fair amount of DFS ownership? Probably correctly so, because there's a lot of dynamic fantasy guys here. Yeah, you have a lot of guys from this game in the top 10 in projected ownership over at Fanshare. And by the way, you can use promo code DFSR for a 20% discount on your Fanshare subscription. Uh, well worth guys, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and those guys know that, you know, that we really appreciate their product. So they uh, did us the courtesy of giving us that promo code uh, kind of as a thank you for talking about them so often on the podcast. But it just is a good tool. And if you can go there and grab access to it for 20% off, especially if you're a big tournament player, like this is where you actually need this stuff because then you can have some science around, you know, well, I, I'm picking between these two guys. How will I get more separation? I think you'll feel it. It's well worth it if you're a big tournament guy. So uh, that being said, 
we have several guys from this game in the top 10 in terms of projected ownership and overall buzz. You know, Kyler Murray, Larry Fitzgerald, Saquon Barkley. One guy we haven't mentioned so far, and Evan Ingram too, actually. One guy we haven't mentioned so far is that Giants quarterback, Doug, Daniel Jones. Jones right now tied for eighth in buzz in all of the NFL uh, over on Fanshare right now. And it's kind of easy to see why, right? I mean, playing against Arizona has been the absolute promised land for opposing quarterbacks. He's very cheap going into this week, but he's also been very bad after two tough weeks against good defenses in New England and Minnesota. People are talking themselves into playing Jones in cash this week. That seems like a bridge too far for me, but what are your thoughts here? Oh, I mean, he he's shown dynamic fantasy ability. He can run the ball as well, too. Uh, it's... Not a guy I want to go into. I don't think I have enough of a track record to really know. It helps that the team is getting f- more healthy. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I guess, was possibly going to be cleared from concussion protocol as well. If they are quote unquote full strength, which isn't saying a ton considering like they're outside of Barkley, their pieces aren't you know elite kind of pieces on offense. It's interesting. I don't know. I I'd be I love the matchup. You like the total. I guess the price is right. It's close. I it wouldn't be a guy where if I saw him like thirty percent owned in cash, I'd be running for the hills because I just don't no. think quarterback works that way. Uh, but from a tournament perspective, you know he seemingly has as much upside as any other group above him. But that's just sort of the nature of the quarterback position at this point. Like I just don't really worry about chalk quarterbacks um, that much yeah, anymore, listen, I, just because me I just neither. don't. And he, this guy's. Con- completed 36 of his last 69 passes across games against New England and Minnesota, understanding that it's hard matchups, but I think people are getting a little bit carried away, and it's mostly because of that huge fantasy game against Tampa Bay uh, where he had two rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely not going overboard here. I wouldn't, I would be, I'd be happy if I saw people playing him in cash, honestly, because, yeah, he, he could go out there and maybe his true, his normal game is like 18 to 22 fantasy points here, which would be a good value on 7,200. But he could absolutely just go out there and stink to high heaven as well. <laughs> like He's still young. Right. And there, there's a lot of buzz still lingering because of one big game. I mean, he's been very, very pedestrian, even in like a good matchup against Washington. Um, he's now up to, let's see, five touchdowns against six interceptions so far. So I don't know, man. I think people are just carried away on it. I, I would be all over this fade, even for big tournaments. I, I'm not going to touch him. Dolphins go in and play the Bills. Uh, Bills are 16.5-point favorites against Miami, who's absolutely terrible. Look at us. They must uh, we be did saying, t- we're the Bills, and we're 16.5-point favorites in an NFL football game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time to get excited. Bills, The Bills Mafia up there uh, flying through tables, WWE. Buffalo, a Central New York gang. People that have never lived in Central New York don't even know that it, that it exists. They call it upstate New York, but that's my Central New York gang out there. Let's go. There you go. Shout-out to my shout out to my cousins, the Morgan family, Robbie and Brown. You lived, there. You lived in Central New York for a summer. It was lovely. Let's go. Yeah, and I got I got I got family in Buffalo, baby. So I'm tangentially <laughs> uh, tangentially associated with, with the folks in Buffalo. Anyway, they're big favorites over uh, a JV team in the Dolphins. They Dolphins projected for 12 points right now, so have a nice season. Uh, we did talk about Josh Allen as a potential cash game play, especially on FanDuel, where he's coming a little cheaper there. 16 and a half points here. You'd love to target the running game, I think, but uh, Devin Singletary is going to be back. Frank Gore has gotten a lot of touches, but it looks like they could probably. They could just be really st- stomping these guys, which is that is somewhat problematic for Allen, by the way, if you think the game's way out of hand, which it really could be. Um, any concerns there on the Allen piece because of this, the the spread and anything to like about the running game, knowing just mostly because like this Vegas zone of, of just being huge favorites is usually where teams run downhill, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried about just kind of splitting carries and going home. Yeah, Allen, uh, he's the second highest, you know, project, or no, oh, he's the top now. Yeah, he moved up seven slots. 
He has the top projected ownership for big tournaments on Fanshare this week. I think people are all over this Allen play. You know, we discussed it uh, for both cash games and for big tournaments yesterday. Nothing has really changed in my mind since then. I think there is a little bit of inherent risk anytime you're talking about playing a quarterback in a game with a 16 and a half point spread. Uh, and I think Allen, the risk might be even higher for someone like him. I don't know, it's pretty close, but the risk might be higher for someone like him who generates a lot of his value trying to scrape out plays on the ground. But you have a lot less incentive to do that if you're already up by 14 points, right? Like, you know, you're not going to be barreling out in traffic and like crashing through for the extra yard necessarily. So uh, that could wind up hurting him. And listen, they've been pretty effective on the ground this season too. So I think you could see Buffalo getting up here and just kind of grinding it down with their cadre of mostly fine, but totally fine running backs. So yeah, I think there is a little bit of risk with Allen. I think I still, like if, if our optimizer determined that we wanted a quarterback in that price range, I would still be happy to play him. Uh, but I don't think you need to force it. Uh, Miami has allowed, like I said, the most quarterback. Uh, oh no, excuse me, they're third. Third in a quarterback allowed points in DraftKings, but they'd be easily be first except they're just losing so bad in the fourth quarter that teams start throw, stop throwing. So uh, from an attempt standpoint, um, it's really not all that close. Miami's the worst, uh, but like I said, they're just usually getting dumpstered, and quarterbacks don't need to try anymore. Three games in the 4 o'clock hour. The first is the Chargers and the Titans. The Titans are going to make a quarterback switch this week. They're going to go to Marcus Mariota. Excuse me, they're going from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, not really sure that does anything for anybody on that team. Um, and then we have the Chargers, who we were really all over to start the season. But now that they're healthy you know, Mel- and, or over their contract situations, like Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon and a full-time share here with Eckler. But also in the passing game, Mike Williams back from injury, Hunter Henry back from injury. Those two guys actually led the team in targets last week. Williams with 10, Henry with 8, and our boy Keenan Allen gets only six targets, catches two for 33 yards. Are we at a point now with the Chargers offense that we just, I don't know, we've entered this no thanks to everybody at their current price points just because, I don't know, they're fully healthy. Teams getting healthy is the wrong direction we yeah, usually want to go in DFS. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, the Chargers, I mean, the big, the big sadness that I hold in my heart is for Keenan Allen, who has been a guy that our system has loved basically since he was in swaddling clothes. And yeah. the fact that, you know, he went from a 17-target week against Houston, and then he had 17 targets over the last three weeks. Yikes, that's that's not a guy you can play. So, yeah, I think as these names continue to show up in the fold and, you know, either get healthy or just choose to play, in the case of someone like Melvin Gordon, you have to be concerned. Uh, I do want to hear your thoughts on Mel- Mike Williams, though. I mean, as Keenan Williams, or Keenan, Keenan Williams, isn't that a... Oh, Keenan Ivory Wayans, that's what I was thinking of. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but as Keenan Allen has seen his target share decline, uh, Williams has been the heir apparent. I mean, 23 targets in the last two games against Pittsburgh and Denver. He hasn't turned it into tons of fantasy production, but you could argue that the price is now just depressed because he hasn't scored any touchdowns in that time and really didn't turn it into a ton of yards either. I mean, 6,200 here for this guy. Are we like ready to make the leap into a little Mike Williams action or are we still kind of waiting to see if he's going to turn into a pumpkin at some point here? Well, uh, he's I, he's really sniffing around cash games on DraftKings at 4,600 exactly. on his target yeah. share. And, you know, speaking about, we talked about average intended air yards before. Williams is in the top 10. Um, he is number four, six, eight. He's number eight in average intended air yards this year. So if you are looking for the downfield threat that could really capitalize, like getting a guy that's this high in that stat for this price is really like the definition of upside, right? Like this is exactly where you want to sort of be because especially if the price is still depressed because it hasn't totally happened, like especially like hasn't gotten into the end zone as many times as he maybe quote unquote should have based on the targets downfield, like 10 targets last week, five for 72, no touchdowns. 
the reason his price hasn't jumped much is because he just hasn't caught the touchdowns, right? Like that's the thing that's going to boost your fantasy performance into that next sort of level that the algorithm is going to pick up on. And then you're going to maybe priced accordingly. Uh, if you think that's the case, this guy has huge upside. Uh, that's really nothing about it. Especially yeah, I can, I can especially, see a case for it. I do. I, man, when you have someone like Keenan Allen, just there lurking, getting six targets a game kind of reminds me of the, the Will Fuller fool's gold after he totally outshined. DeAndre Hopkins. Like sometimes teams just see something. I don't know. I'm I'm concerned yeah. about. It. I can see doing it on DraftKings. I do think on FanDuel you're probably taking on a little too much risk. But yeah, but to be clear, I don't want to do it. I'm just saying that right now in our system, it's like it's making you flirt with the idea. I think that's kind of where I'm. That's kind of more of my my stance on it. Is that uh, I would not love to see that name. Hey, look, this name at four thousand thirty nine hundred. Yes. Um, this ten, you know, ten to twenty percent more. I, I'd be hard pressed, I think, to do it. But this discussion we can have uh, leading into Sunday. Two more games to go. First one, Baltimore and Seattle. Talked uh, about Russell Wilson yesterday as a cash game play. The guy's just been awesome, as good as you can be as a quarterback, uh, really, this year. Fourteen touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, throw, has thrown for a ton of yards despite not that many attempts. Uh, I don't know if there's a ton of other stuff to talk about because, we, considering we talked about him and Chris Carson at length. Your thoughts on your boy Luke Wilson? Will Disley's out for the season now with his torn ACL. They traded away Vanit before. They really have no tight ends left. Um, could you could you make a case for a Luke Wilson at three thousand on DraftKings? I wouldn't mind seeing his name. I don't know. What do you think? Oh man, Doug. Well, as you know, I was heartbroken to see the Disley news. He was one of the great additions to my fantasy team in the DFSR fourteen team league where. Apparently, I both drafted abominably and have handled the in-season badly, but I'm still 3-3, three and three, and so my major goal here is just to like skate by you know, winning weeks where I'm the third lowest scoring team and stuff like that, get into the playoffs, maybe, maybe some big-name running back gets hurt because I have all these backup running back handcuffs, and then I, I win the title with a terrible team, having done a terrible job. So that's my little secret fantasy right now. So uh, I'm really hoping this works out. That being said, losing Disley was a huge blow to that team's future <laughs> because uh, I'm having to consider, like, like, like I knew I was in a bad spot this morning when, like, we were talking about Luke Wilson and I was telling you what I'll tell you here shortly, which is that you'd be insane to play this guy in DFS. I mean, <laughs> just a, a guy sliding into the tight end slot on a team, sure, they, they've liked the tight end, but uh, he's gotten one, three targets, two targets. You just don't need to do it for DFS. I, I think that's kind of nuts. But <laughs> the fact that when you said, yeah, but this is a team that likes throwing to the tight end, and I was looking between picking up someone like, you know, Scotty Miller or Luke Wilson. Yeah, I think I like Luke Wilson over Scotty Miller for this week, uh, who, again, I don't think either of us had heard of before I brought that name up because I saw him on uh, last week's Target Leaders on Yahoo. Uh, yeah. Anyway, long story short is you're not playing Luke Wilson in Cash Doug, but for your 14-team league where you have a Will Disley injury you have to face down, I don't know. I don't mind spicy. taking a flyer out. I'm not in cash, not in cash, but as a tournament thing to tournament upside, just catch a touchdown at three thousand um, and see like yeah, who was Will Disley before he he had two, a two touchdown week, right? So that's I'm all I'm saying. There. That's all I'm saying. Like yeah. I don't think that's why I don't, that's the only reason I don't think it's crazy in Joe's DraftKings prices. Like I said, the tight end is the place where you can grab that two, that three thousand dollar guy and just really fill out the rest of your lineup um, pretty well. Considering look, there's not that all that many tight ends we feel that great about anyway. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we talked, like I said, we talked about Carson. We talked about Wilson. Uh, there's probably some upside in guys like Lockett here uh dk Metcalf. i'm not going to go out on a limb i don't think with either of those guys i think they seem this team seems very committed to wanting to run the ball uh and baltimore has let up let up uh, yards on the ground this season as well lamar jackson i not a lot of weeks we played him um and it's worked out very well i do not see this as the week personally but maybe you see something i don't no i don't think this is the week um 
I, I think you can definitely do it. It's hard to find a week where you can't make a, an excuse to play Lamar Jackson, but you know, kind of what I nodded to earlier, the fact that there are just good quarterbacks across multiple price tiers means that you'll probably wind up leaning in a different direction at quarterback this week, uh, just because often when that's the case, our system will default to the cheapest guy because inevitably there's some other position that's more difficult where you do need to spend money uh, to get a reasonable floor. So, uh, But it's not for any lack of production or ability on Jackson's end. I mean, we talk about liking guys who get carries, Doug. 19 carries against the Bengals last week yeah. for 152 yards and a touchdown. If that was all he did, and it kind of was all he did, but if that was all he did, you would look at him as a play out of the running back slot at 8,400. And the fact that he can just go ahead and chip in 236 <laughs> passing yards on top of that. Uh, yeah, this guy is absolutely other world commodity for DFS. And I'll be ready to roll it right back next week, um, you know, if we don't have the options at some other position. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, he's 6,800 on DraftKings this week. I, I I wouldn't fault you for playing him in cash. There's the No one really has a floor like this just because of those running yards. And yeah. the passing yards at times are just a bonus. Or, like, they're each a bonus on each other. I think that's all That's all that's it right. is. Like, one just supports the other if the other thing's not happening. So, and if one's, uh, exactly, one's not working, you just get the other one. I mean, he's, like, could, could be the highest floor DFS commodity we have right now overall. Yeah, I think so too. Mostly because he controls his own fate more than in a more of a way that Christian yes. McCaffrey does. So um, I, I I agree with you there. Uh, final game, uh, less one of the least exciting fantasy games that we're going to see this week, uh, which is really saying something because some of these are real, just kind of uh, just bore bore fest. But Saints going to play Chicago. Looks like Mitch Trubisky is going to be back, uh, so you get that going for Chicago. Not sure it really matters. Alvin Kamara has been really banged up to the point where they spelled him pretty significantly with Latavius Murray last week. He um, didn't, it was, he was not fully injured Kamara, but they were clearly just really kind of just saving him because he played 39 snaps. Murray played 28. Murray was handling a, just a bulk of the run game for at, at times. Um, and Kamara is still shown to be beat up. They did sign, I think Travis Cadet, or Tavares, or Travis Cadet, yeah, Travis Cadet um, to the squad, which is not a great sign either for Kamara. So they're trying to get another running back here. I think Kamara plays, but if he doesn't play, we would have Latavius Murray here, who did, they do target at times in the backfield uh, through the passing game. I, and I also feel like even at a cheap number, we'd be walking into a Malcolm Brown situation where a cheap running back, but against a very good defense as an underdog. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, even if Kamara was out, which at times was like, oh, this is great. Like, who's his backup? Who's the guy that could really sustain a low price in a run game? It would be Murray, and I feel like there's a chance we'd be walking into the same situation where he just gets gobbled up, they can't do anything on the ground, he doesn't do much, and they go, they try to pass, or they just don't even have the ball that much because the Bears' defense is so good. Yeah, I think I would still be willing to do it again. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was the one pushing for playing Malcolm Brown last week. It didn't work out. Uh, you sent me a text like we knew the mistakes we were making. So this week it would be appropriate to say we would know the mistakes we would make if it didn't work out. That being said, a guy who's coming off an 11-touch week against a pretty good Jacksonville defense too, uh, scoring 9.4 fantasy points, and he would be the only and obvious heir apparent to all those Kamara touches. The fact that he's been very competent out of the backfield catching balls. Um, let's see, he's had four, five, nine targets, and he's caught eight of them so far. And... You have to think the Saints like that. They're trying to play more conservatively with Bridgewater under center. So, yeah, I would play Latavius Murray, just if only because I don't see what the other plan would be for the Saints. And, yes, there's definitely a chance he goes out there, has 65 yards and no touchdowns or whatever, and isn't you know that play that brings you home. But if the Saints do score touchdowns, 
you have to think Marie couldn't be right there. And he's the type of guy, too. If he were going to be chalk, I'd be terrified to be against that chalk because, you know, him getting a 20-touch game is absolutely not out of the question. And he could turn that into 20-plus fantasy points, at which point, if you don't have him and he's 35% owned, you're really trying to, you know, paddle upstream. Yeah, the one thing, I mean, DraftKings, he's like a little bit, possibly a little too expensive at 5,100 for such a bad matchup. Like last week was Murray at 4,000, which was a much different situation. So that full 1,100 more, if I'm just comparing them one-to-one, um, would be almost enough to scare me off. But again, I just mentioned playing, possibly playing Luke Wilson. So I'm not sure if like, if, if, if I'm talking about this, then I guess I can embrace any he's idea. He's just a better player that. too. They, they paid to bring him in, right? I mean... Murray had other options this offseason. You're right. The higher price tag on DraftKings does make it a little scary. I guess I was talking more on FanDuel where he'd be 5,300 and he would really enable you to do some interesting things at other positions. I think that's kind of where I was clocking to ring him. Yeah, I guess my I guess my thing with FanDuel is I just kind of love – we already had the Barkley-Fournette-Carson uh, combo without really having to do much lifting around the other mm-hmm. guys, and that was the only yeah. reason. So, uh, And I, and if, if that's the case, like if I can comfortably fit the three guys that I just mentioned before and Murray's still there, I'd much rather just do that and take my lumps at uh, – yeah, because right now we do have Barkley-Fournette-Carson and Cooper Cup in a lineup, and I feel like that <laughs> – it feels actually like it shouldn't even be impossible, honestly, for this slate that that's able to be <laughs> – that's able right. to be done without much – without too much work. So I guess that would be my only real – That'd be, my, that'd be my biggest case against Murray over on, on FanDuel. I guess on DraftKings, like I said, that mid-tier can sometimes get a little tricky. Like that $5,000 range can get a little tricky, and that, that does open up some stuff because their pricing is a little tighter relative to the salary cap. All right, we are going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. If you head on over to DFSR.com slash deals, it's going to get you started on our premium projections. You get a seven-day full trial. And the great news on that seven days is that if you sign up now, you get Sundays uh, you get Sunday's projections and lineups for free because it's a seven-day trial. But you also get the beginning mm-hmm. of NBA season as well. Ooh. You're going to take you through Tuesday, the two-game slate, Wednesday, um, that really the first huge night of basketball where we're going to be in there grinding on our NBA projections, which are about the best in the business. So that's all included under one subscription package. You just go to these other sites and figure out like where you're paying for a new season every single time around. Like, oh, sign up yes. for our baseball projections. And then you, oh, okay, good. Those are over. Now you can get our basketball projections by getting another, uh, <laughs> you get another trial. And you, or they don't even give you free trials to even test it out. So go find a better deal in the, in the business. You're simply not. Like, we probably just should have raised our prices. We should have, at some point, should have sectioned these things off. We just never did. You're not going to find a better deal. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. Buddy, Football week seven is upon us. Basketball as well. It's a great time to be alive in the sports world. Mm. Talk to you next week after we get to celebrate, I think, our, our lineups again on FanDuel and DraftKings, which have an excellent <laughs> record this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling good, buddy. I can tell. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Peace.